I was just saying. I don't care about your opinion. I just well, I'll tell you what I think. What's that you're saying? Would you just listen? I don't think so. Remember, ladies, one must not get one's knickers in a twist. I just... Please listen. Shh. I'm trying to help you. Listen. I don't think so. Excuse me. Well, I don't care. I don't care. Listen. Shut up and listen. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Shut Up and Listen. And as always, I am so grateful for my next guest, who is just hilarious. I just saw her perform... um, last week, I think. And I immediately reached out to her and I was like, you need to come on. Would you come on? She also has a podcast called Lady to Lady. One of the ladies, Barbara Gray. Welcome. Yes. Hi. I am one of the ladies. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Ooh. I'm good. Tag. I'm hanging out with Tagalong. Tagalong is, is getting right in the mix again. This is what happens. I swear. <laughs> He's like a cat at five o'clock. Oh my god! I keep saying he. It's a she. I know. Why I you know. I, I do, do that, that stupid thing where I gender. I gender dogs as boys and cats as girls, even though my cat's a, a boy. Do you misgender your own cat? Yes, all, all the, the time. time. Okay, that yeah. makes me feel less bad. <laughs> it just makes me feel like a piece of shit that like I don't actually value tag along, and that's not true. Um, so, are you more of a cat person? I love them both, uh, but I just grew up with cats more because they were just easier, you know. Easier and cuntier. Oh, I mean, definitely cuntier. I had a really <laughs> nice... My old one went, like, lived till 18. She was the sweetest cat in the world. And the one I have now is a fucking dick. But I'm like, well, that's just what I... You know, that's but just what him. Makes him. what makes him a dick? He He's kind of feral. Like, we kind of... my Tess, actually, who I do the podcast with, um, we were on, like, a writing retreat, the three of us. And we found him at, like, this in Palm Desert he was just in this backyard and he came in he didn't have a collar he still had balls and we were like I guess this is like a street cat and Tess is like a huge like animal person so she kind of like hoisted him upon me and I had been wanting one for a while so it was like oh okay it's perfect but then we found out that he had been fixed and we were like did we take this cat from somebody but anyway so we kind of I think he just is like sort of half feral cat He's not like dangerous or something, but he's just kind of like a little wild, you know. So what does that mean? What does that look like? Um, he's just like he'll attack you and kind of like be crazy all the time, and he always wants to go outside, and he's just he doesn't like cuddle. Like my old cat would cuddle all the time, like if you if you're like come here, but this this guy's like I'm not answering to fucking anybody. <laughs> Basically, is his thing. He's just like he he does not you know he rules the he rules the house, but he's also an idiot, so I don't know. God. <laughs> I miss having I miss having cats. I really do. They're I, very comforting. I mean, dogs are amazing though. They're such better like friends, I think. No, dogs are are definitely definitely incredible, but there is something there I had the experience of where I used to live in East Silver Lake. Um for those of you that are not from California, that is a city in Los Angeles. But like East East Silver Lake, technically Frogtown. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah. With like the Frogtown gang. Yeah. Um, which is like part of the Mexican mafia of like the nineteen seventies. <laughs> um and there was this what appeared to be a kitten that came through a hole in the fence. Mm. 
And she was the sweetest, prettiest thing I'd ever seen. And I called her Sweet Pea. And I put out food and I put out water and she would never let me touch her, like wouldn't let me come near her. And I sat on this rock every day for about 30 days and I would feed her and I would just sit there while she ate. And then one day she just came and brushed up against my leg. And she hadn't done that at all. And she hadn't done that at all. And slowly but surely it got to a point where she would follow me. And then one day she just jumped up in my lap and she started purring. And it was the closest experience I'd ever come to. Like what I would imagine in some weird way, like a parent feels when they see their child walk for the first time or (laughs) or their first word. Um, (laughs) Because to be an animal who obviously had been a stray animal or feral, just born in the wild, and probably has not had a good interaction with humans or at best is wary to be able to gain access to that trust is was such a beautiful lesson to me and something that I I didn't take for granted at all and then she ended up becoming my cat Wow. I know. I can't believe the patience you had. I'm so impatient. I would have tried to like kidnap her immediately. You know, it just, I don't know why it just, there was, there was some sort of like beautiful bond. And then when my ex and I broke up, she took sweet pea um, and her dog. I know. And then I lost my other cat, Fiero, um, presumably eaten by coyotes. In July, it'll be. That's the here. thing about that area; they are everywhere. I mean, Jesus fucking Christ! They're terrifying. Have you heard them howling at night? Yes, <laughs> yes. So creepy. I've not only heard them howling at night, but I've heard barks were like strangled, and then just silence. Oh God! I don't think I've heard that quite, but I've heard them hunting. That's why I'm so scared. I, my cat always wants to go outside and I'll let him out for a minute and I'll watch him. But I'm so scared of him getting eaten. He doesn't. It's like, what do you do? Do you let them? It's like it is like being a parent because I'm like, I got to let him like enjoy his life. Like all he wants is to be outside, but also he could be murdered. Yeah. No, I <laughs> stay sexy. Don't get murdered. Yeah. <laughs> Hashtag. I love my favorite murderer. Um, no, but Fiero, I was originally from New York, and we lived there for 13 years. And Fiero was an indoor cat. And then when came to L.A., you know, he's fat, lazy. Oh, I love that cat. And didn't, he was a fat oh, was black a dog? cat. Or a cat, okay. Cat, fat black cat. Um... And he just, he didn't go anywhere or do anything. And the front neighbors, there was a specific neighbor who would always leave the front gate open, Mm -hmm. which would drive me fucking insane, especially because, you know, I had dogs. Yeah, you can't do that. I know. Um, And so my thought is, is that Fiero... Was just outside on the front porch, 
and either coyotes came in mm. or something spooked him out into the front. Um, yeah, it was devastating. Like, so devastating. he just was gone. You didn't. Yeah, he was just, he was just gone. That's awful. And I still get people that will send me texts being like, I think I see your cat. And it's like a black cat, but it's like not my black There's cat. so many black cats like out there. You can't. Yeah. I know. I know. They, they got to stop doing that. Get your hope. I, like that's no, too sad. To no, handle. because I had lost my dog of 13 years three months earlier to cancer. Oh, God. I, uh, no, <laughs> this isn't cool. <laughs> we had um, something crazy happen to my house. I live in in kind of near there too in Silver Lake, and it was really rainy one night. And my cat was like, went up to the uh, went up to the door. He was looking outside, and he looked like he was watching something. And I heard this jingling like a collar, and I thought it was just somebody walking their dog. But then I kept hearing it, and I was like, "What is that?" And so I look outside, and I see this dog zoom past my porch, and I'm like come here and he comes under the porch he's shivering shaking just like or i was a she um see there yep, i did there it <laughs> and she come we bring her inside and she's just like this really cute little sheepdog matted fur all like just like looked fucked up and she'd come we called the number on the phone she'd been missing for a month and from Mir- the Miracle Mile area, no idea how she made it to us, like where, what her journey was. Oh but she traveled like, you know, over like half the city and just ended up on my porch. It was so weird. I, I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> it just like it breaks. It breaks my heart. And the fact that like you were the fact that like you were able to hear it but then not only that but you cared enough to investigate as opposed to just being like not my problem I don't want to deal with it well no of course I would want to I mean you know it's just like weird because I knew something was out there and you could tell she like came in and she was exhausted she sat she finally seemed like she felt safe and it was just like so gut-wrenching and I'm just so glad she found us I don't know you know and then her I guess she'd been staying the, her the guy who came to get her was the brother of her owner yeah and he had been taken care of, and they, they thought she was gone, you know. Oh, my God. It was crazy. So are you saying that there's hope? <laughs> there's hope. There's hope. You're saying there's hope. Okay. I know I'm Barack one. Obama, and I'm telling you. I know. <laughs> I know. Barack Obama, Harvey Milk, got to give him hope. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, but it really does. I really do believe that everything is a learning opportunity. And I'm not comparing, I'm, I was about to say something, but then I felt I needed to preface it. <laughs> I really, you know, it's so interesting. Do you want children at all? I'm trying to, I, I don't know. I I'm keep, the longer I go, the more I'm like, I don't think it's going to happen. But I also kind of do. Like that you think it's not going to happen or that you don't want it to happen? That I don't want it to, well, it's both because I'm like, okay. I mean, I'm 33, so if I want to have my own kids, you know, I would need to be with somebody probably who I wanted to have them with relatively soon. I've kind of told myself, like, all right, when you reach 35, then, like, if you want kids, like, just get pregnant and (laughs) you'll figure it out. Yeah, for (laughs) sure, for sure, for sure. So I think I'm kind of waiting till then because I don't know that there's so many things I want to do that don't, you know what I mean, like, creatively. Top five. Top five things I want to do? Yeah. I want to make a musical. I mean, I want to make, you know, incredible TV. I want to write music 
and it's and what are the last two things i mean i guess like travel but <laughs> i don't know <laughs> you know i want to i want to get really 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 good at stand-up keep going um and five i don't know yeah I don't have it. That's only, I got four. I mean, that's fucking that's awesome. That's enough. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's more than enough. So I th- when I think of all that stuff and like just how much time it's going to take, it's like, I w- there's no time for kids in there. No, I, I completely, I, I completely get that. I completely understand. Tag along. Tag along's getting very intimate with me. Tag along. The Here. bone's not even yeah, distracting her. She's like, nope, sorry. I'm too desirable. Um, you're very desirable. <laughs> I only have desirable people on this podcast. <laughs> that's the, yeah, that's well, that's why they're on, because I desire them. That I is true. I desire to know them, to converse with them, to look at them, mm-hmm. um, to listen. So I'm like, hold on a second, because I want to, I'm like, oh, my God, you're a fan of musicals. We definitely need to talk. Yes. Um, but that I... Uh, what I was originally going to say, what prompted me to ask that question was, you know, I, I now know enough about myself, A, to know that I have no desire for children. And I look at my animals as my children. Like when I had to put Henry down, like I had, I had rescued him when I was, 21 from the ASPCA and so he was with me through all of my 20s the most the biggest opportunities that I had for growth were in my 20s like I learned so much but I lost my witness and I lost my partner and I lost my best friend and also my kid yeah like I lost my kid I knew that he was a dog first and foremost you know I know that for me, I consider having a dog like having a loaded shotgun. You know, it's... They are a part of my life. Um, but also, I know that they have not only their own personalities, they have... There's a huge responsibility mm-hmm. in terms of getting to um, have a pet. And I feel like pet is the wrong word. Um, yeah, it doesn't quite sum up everything it, it that they are to it us. It doesn't because I'm telling you, you know, I've shared about this at least on on Twitter um, a bit. You know, I have been factually suicidal two times in my life, and both of those times, and I remember I, I I was recently looking over some very old stuff that I had written, and I saw. That, well, I can't kill myself because who would take care of Firo and Henry? So on those days that I literally, and that's the thing that I feel a lot of people don't understand about depression, is not that I don't want to get up. It's that I can't. Yeah, it's it, not about a choice. It's, it's, there is no choice. No. There is no choice. And it feels, at least for me, it felt like, I was filled with liquid lead and then I was slowly drowning and slowly suffocating and I would pray and I would meditate and I would read self-help books and I would get out of self and ba 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 but I really felt like I was 
dead. Like I really felt like I was dead. And, and Henry really was more than Fiero to a certain degree, but it, it really was who, who would take care of him. So he really did literally save my life because I don't know, I don't know what would have happened if he hadn't, if he hadn't been there. I, wow. I really don't know. And I, I don't mean that to sound dramatic. It, it really is that, you know, they, they are my kids. Like they, they are my fucking kids. No, they are. And what would, he would be devastated if you let, you know what I mean? It is, it, they are animals, but it's true. They would, they would know. They have such, I mean, and they are a lot like children. And I like just see all the people like adding me right now, just like no, they're not. Blah 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 blah. <laughs> well, blah. fuck them. I know. Well, because <laughs> it it goes, you know, who's to say, right? So when Fiero did disappear, I had this thought of, I, w- I was like, this has got to be like a small glimpse of what it must feel like for a parent when they lose, when their child goes missing. Mm-hmm. Like this really must be what it feels like and I I remember a few weeks ago I um was walking into my kitchen and there was something on the floor but I I was so tired that I thought it, I, I I thought it was Fiero like because mm. I forget I forget that he's gone I forget that he's missing in moments and That's so weird oh. when that happens. I used to have that with my old cat all the time where I'd feel her presence on the bed with me. And you just forget and then you remember and then it's devastating. And every time I get a text from someone that says, we think we saw your cat or I, I get photos. Um, it's, it's the hope for a second. And then like the absolute devastation and letdown. And again, you know, I am not, I am not a mother to a human child. Like I'm not, I don't know that bond, you know, however, you know, it, it makes me think of like children who are adopted and I myself am adopted. Um, that, a bond is a bond is a bond is a bond. Yeah, one whether doesn't negate animal, the other. I don't yeah, think it means it is animal or human. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like there's there's this we're so competitive about everything where it's my pain trumps your pain. And in certain degrees that is true in in regards to um You know, if, if somebody, you know, is like, oh my God, I, I, I got followed by like these three guys as they were like screaming dyke and I feared for my life. And like, you have somebody else that's like, oh my God, I totally understand what you mean. I was walking down the street and this construction worker whistled at me. (laughs) Right. Yeah, but did you feel fear for your life? Yeah. You know, or was it that the, um, 
the dishonesty in terms of I'm not really looking to identify with you. I'm not really looking to understand. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I mean, I do think you're right, though, that people are so quick to to like dismiss somebody's pain if if they feel it doesn't like live up to some kind of weird standard. And I think that's total bullshit. Yeah. It's such fucking bullshit. We're so awful about that these days, especially it's just the internet makes me so like crazy with all that stuff. It's just like, that's what it feels like it all is. It's just everyone yelling at each other because like they haven't had their specific experience. I don't know. Can you give me an example? Um, well I don't want to talk about this one because it's too like weird uh (laughs) it's just like it's too like you know what I mean that's the thing too I'm too it's like you never know what to even say because everything's like so heightened um now I'm blinking now hey buddy (laughs) Talgong's trying to give me kisses um no, I don't know. I can't think of one. <laughs> but it's out there. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'm like, now part of me is like, <clears throat> Oprah, Super Soul Sunday. Wait a second. <laughs> what was preventing you from talking about this? Let's do it. Let's solve the world's problems. Yeah. Let's. Do you hear Oprah? My, she was like, I might, maybe I'll run for president. She said that because she was like, I mean, if you don't have to have any experience, then... When did she say that? I heard it on, on NPR today, so I don't know. Was she quoted as saying that, or did they have an audio clip? No, no, but it was somebody, it was, you know, them them reporting that she had said that, so... <sighs> well, I mean, that would be... Uh, reading would be a priority for her. Yeah. I'm sure. Which is amazing. I mean, it'd be better than it is now. I don't know. It would, but it's just like, no, we can't just keep electing celebrities. That's not a good way to go about things. Well, I mean, for fuck's sakes, it's a. I feel like it's proving that we don't need to have a president, right? Like we don't, we don't need to have a president at all. I just saw that. Um, I mean, we're sending like the trans rights for for trans children, like getting to have mentally ill people gain access to guns. Uh, yeah, he's just it's just one thing after the other. It's a but nightmare. I've got it. But but for me, my worry is not him. It's Bannon. Right. Yes, he is the real. Monster. He's the real president. He's the puppeteer. Yeah. He he's the president. He is the one that is calling all of the shots. Mm-hmm. He's like I mean, do you watch House of Cards? Yes. Yeah, so I'm like, he's the evil Frank Underwood. Right. But Frank Underwood is, is evil. evil. Yeah, he's he's worse than But he's also a Democrat. <laughs> um but it, but the truth is is that it doesn't really it doesn't really make a difference, and for me I I had been thinking recently, wouldn't it be interesting, what would happen if aliens landed, what would happen if aliens came now, 
what would happen? What I, do you think? I saw somebody write a joke that was like, the aliens land and they're like, take me to your leader. And we're like, uh, can we take you to the previous one, please? <laughs> like, <laughs> not, please, not this one, like anything but this one. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, what would happen? I mean, I guess it depends on how much they care about about that kind of stuff. They might not even, you know, they might judge everyone together as a whole and not look at it from Well, you would leaders. have to think, though, that they are advanced enough to be able to, A, come here. and And that goes then to what does it mean to be advanced, right? Because to to a degree, we have advanced an incredible amount in terms of technology. And we have iPhones and we have gizmos and gadgets and self-driving cars and we have, you know, robots and we have, we're able to move things with our mind with like sensors and, and all of these different things and help um, people who are paralyzed, it's it's insane what we can do with technology. Yet, emotionally and spiritually, we are so far behind. Mm-hmm. We are we are still so rooted in violence. We are still so rooted in. Um, survival of the fittest and that reptilian brain that we have just that fight or flight response and and I I wonder what it will take for us to be able to grow truly grow I wonder that too. I do feel like we're ahead of ourselves with so many things, especially with technology. And it's like, we're not adjusting as a society. We are adjusting because we have to, but also it's like, it's going too fast almost. And I feel like it's, there's more like, well, there was, there's always been obviously depression and anxiety and everything for always. I think we're just way more willing to actually talk about it and know how to diagnose it now. But it feels like it's much worse, and I think a lot of it's due to, like, us kind of going advancing further, quicker than our emotional capability, you mm. know? I, I was, uh, I heard this interview with this author who wrote a book about about that, basically being like, you know, there's so much depression now because we all feel like we're constantly not good enough, basically, mm. because of the technology that shows us what everyone's always doing all the time, what you're not doing, like, you know... Yeah. And I yeah, I don't think we've uh we've quite caught up to that. But I do wonder sometimes about the reptilian brain part that like how much of that do we deny and how much do we just be like, well, this is it. This is humanity, you know. Yeah, and we only use 10% of our brain. Mm-hmm. We only use 10% of our brain. Um and it makes me <clears throat> It's th- these are the things that I think about all the time. Like all the time. Um, you know, the, the moon affects a glass of water, you know, and we're, I think like 70, 75% water, um, you know, and it, something that you just said, and it, it, it makes me curious, A, do you think that you're good enough? No. No. <laughs> and why? 
Um, I think because I'm constantly valuing myself due to other people's opinions. So I haven't quite found that way to not, you know, reflect myself in everything that I, I either get from people or that I like read. Everything I like read, I'm like, oh, I should be that. That's mm. what I should be. Mm. Or everything I see, you know. Yeah. So it's like a constant like I'm not doing enough or I'm not enough this way or that way. You are not enough, period. Yeah. And where does that come from? I mean, I think a lot of it is the constant influx of, of you know, just being on the internet all, all day, seeing seeing everything that everyone's doing, feeling guilty if I'm not doing enough, like as far as, you know, uh, helping other people. Um, and then just, I don't know, a lot of like, just always have needed a lot of approval, you know, in general. Always? Yeah. Well, I think my parents gave me a lot of attention. And so it's just been like, a, you know, <laughs> ongoing, ongoing thing. I mean, I do stand up, you know, it's like one of the, it's one of those things where you, you know, you're always like, I'm going to be the loudest one in here and make everyone laugh or whatever, you know? No, I get it. I'm the actor. Yeah. I, mean, I get it. You totally and get I it. Use, and I use humor all the time as a deflection device. Mm-hmm. You know, to keep me from truly being vulnerable. Um, and I, I'm allowed to be vulnerable when I'm working. Right. You know, I'm allowed to be vulnerable in those moments. And what I found, <clears throat> it seems to be um, a reoccurring theme. I was talking with a couple of people about this today. And that idea of the origin wound and where that comes from and the first time that we make a decision consciously or subconsciously where we say, I don't deserve to be happy. Or we make the decision that says, I will never be hurt in this way again. Or we make the decision that says, I will never be um, laughed at again. Or, and it all stems, you know, at the end of the day, it says to those two emotions, we're either making a decision out of fear or we're making a decision out of love. That's it, you know? And and if somebody says, if you are real young and real happy and you have a dream and you have a desire and someone says, who the hell do you think you are? You think you're going to do that? Ha. Ha. <laughs> no. No. Like your dream is too big. So then there's that... A, that in incredible hurt because you weren't received. And then with that too, that, that doubt starts to creep in mm -hmm. because everybody who's older is our God, whether or not we, we acknowledge it consciously. And so then it becomes a lifetime of, I need to prove my worth. I need to prove, I need to show them that I am worthy, that I am worth it. And then especially if you get success, it's great because you're like, yes, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> but then it's never enough. Right. It's never satiated. I, yeah, I worry about that a lot. It's never satiated because at the end of the day, there's still that little kid in there that's like, oh, no, I'm not worthy and I'm, I'm, I'm not enough. Like I... I'm dumb for thinking that I could 
be anything other than whatever limited perception that person has instilled. And I found that I ran away. I I ran away from that 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 belief that like I wasn't worthy, I wasn't enough. Just in terms of simple being. Um and I I'd gotten to this point and I got to have this opportunity pretty recently where I got to talk to that, you know, inner kid. And I know it sounds so frou-frou and like fucking stupid and like est fucking talk to your inner child, blah, blah, blah. But scientifically, if everything is energy, right? Everything. I love my Angelou because she, she spoke about the, the tag along she spoke about the power of words and how words seep into the walls and they seep into the carpet they seep into your clothing and your hair and eventually they seep into you there's there's energy behind the words i can be like hi how are you and that connotes one energy mm-hmm. versus hi how are you <laughs> which connotes a completely different fucking energy. And it, oh my God, no, I don't, I, I don't like this. I don't like this at all. Um, <clears throat> so getting to talk to that kid and getting to be like, I'm so sorry. Yeah. I'm so How did you do sorry. that? Did you do like ayahuasca? <laughs> <laughs> Um, not this past time, but, <laughs> the, but really what started me on my journey was, um, doing ayahuasca, Okay, which was like about a, a year ago, you know, because back in 2014, it had been suggested to me that I do ayahuasca by a therapist of mine. And oh, wow. A therapist. Just, yeah. I mean, I've heard great. I've heard, you know, well, a, these kind of, of journeys. It's not for everyone. No, no, of course not. At all. Um, and I had been... Um, in a very general way, like very, very, very general, I, uh, you know, had been battling depression and PTSD um, from trauma. Mm-hmm. And I... And I felt like when I was actually in my body, I was in a prison. Mm, so I'd just continually be detached from my body. And it got to the point where I was like, I, I don't want to live like this anymore. I don't want to be neck down dead anymore, but I don't know. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to get past this. I've gone to fucking therapy. I've like done the things I've like talked it out and I've, I've done the fucking shit and I didn't have like a lot of memory. Um, and my therapist was this really fucking awesome, amazing dude. And he was like, ayahuasca might be like really helpful for you. It, um, and for those of you that don't know, um, actually I'll just put it in a link at the, at the bottom, but like disclaimer, it is an illegal substance here in the States 
Um, I did not participate in the ceremony in the States. I went out of the country mm. where it is legal. And also on top of that, there are, you know, there are a lot of people that claim that they're shamans, whatever. It's like shaman like Meryl Finkelstein. Like, right, right. I'm the shaman. Like... <laughs> whatever board shorts and like whatever there's a lot of bullshit people um that claim to um not only like know what they're doing but i think for me indigenous people of peru south america have been using it for thousands upon thousands upon thousands of years and the origin is that when th there's some really great books one of them is called jaguar of the mind um and when these indigenous people have have been asked like how did you know to put these two different plants together to formulate dmt and the response has always been the plants told us hmm. and i am not as open as i am to the realm of the spirit and all that I do not know, I'm also a fucking New Yorker. And I'm skeptical <laughs> as fuck. Right. <laughs> I'm, I'm skeptical as fuck. I need fucking proof. Mm -hmm. I need fucking proof. And, um, you know, I'd had, I, uh, I'd had enough experience to be open to the idea that it might work maybe, but I was still terrified because I'd never done an entheogen or a hallucinogen in my life. Oh yeah. That's a whole, never, whole ever, different ever. ball game. And at the time I had been sober nine years. Oh wow. Um, and it took me another two years until yeah, until October of 2015 to where I again was at that point of no return where I was like I I most certainly don't want to die but I most certainly don't want to live mm -hmm. and I said to the universe said to like the spirit of ayahuasca like mother ayahuasca if you really want me to experience you I'm ready and within hours I'd gotten an email there was one spot available for this international trip. And I w was asked if I wanted to go. Wow. That's crazy. I know. Well, I, I mean, that's a sign. Yeah, you got to. Yeah. I'm the same way. I'm like spiritual, but also skeptical. But that kind of stuff, it's like, okay, yep. Yeah. <laughs> and, and my first instinct was no. And I said no. And I'd been reading um, Shonda Rhimes' book, The Year of Yes. Mm. And I just read the page where she talks about her sister saying, you never say yes to anything. You always mm. say no. And on a, uh, and, and I was like, I can't, I can't say no. I've got to say yes. So even just that little tiny mustard seed of, I'm going to say yes to a chance at life whatever the fuck that means, because this is not 
working. I, this isn't, again, like therapy, like is helpful and whatever. And I'd done like EMDR and I'd done like all of this shit, but still. And so I like, that was the start of my spiritual journey. That was the start of me. And I talked about it as like a homecoming And I didn't recognize that my whole entire life. And that's why I feel most people do commit suicide. It's not that they want to die. They want to go home. It's a a divine missing. Mm. They just want to go home. And I didn't realize that that's what I had wanted my whole entire life. Like I was put into foster care when I was two, adopted when I was five. I, I, I never felt that sense of home and I'm, I I had this idea that there was this bigger home, not and not in a Christian way. That I, though I did grow up Roman Catholic Italian, which means I grew up with a lot of guilt, um, a lot of big ziti and a lot of guilt. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I know I know that story. Yeah, you know, and that's where I feel like. Um, Catholics and Jews have a lot in common, mm-hmm. like a lot of fucking guilt, um, and, and both encourage eating, um, <laughs> <laughs> unless you actually really eat, and then it's you're going to eat that, <laughs> right, right, <laughs> and the, unless it's too much, and then, yeah, and then it, it, it's got to be just right. And then you get the other guilt, yeah. yeah. Then the then the other guilt, and sits and again, going to kill myself, um, but no. And so, so when I went, it was. It was like I, it was the first time I ever experienced what I'd always longed for, which was getting to be home. I was like, oh my God, like this is it. And it was really transformational and really, really powerful. And again, you know, I had done a lot of preparation. You're um, supposed to be on like a very strict diet and stay away from the news and stay away from TV and really meditate and really get centered with what the intention is. And for me, it was like my intention was just to heal. My intention was really to heal and it's not a magic bullet, mm-hmm. right? Um, and the integration requires a lot of work and literally it was a month to the, to the day that I got back from my trip and had the experience Henry passed mm. and I, I intuitively knew that he had been waiting to know that I'd be okay before he felt okay to leave. And we had this amazing vet named Dr. Teresa Liu. If you're in the Los Angeles area, Dr. Teresa Liu, she's amazing. She, and he was my first pet ever. And she came and he was put down at home. I held him in my arms as he passed. And I My heart broke wide open. (laughs) And I know, I know intuitively that I would not have been able to have that experience of grief if I hadn't, if I hadn't have had that um, 
experience the month month before. And I I got to even in his his passing and his transition, I got to have this new experience of letting go. Because I I had such a fear of being left for such a long time. So like Madonna talks about this in Truth or Dare where I would imagine him dying like so I could almost outrun the grief so I could be prepared but the truth is nothing ever prepares you like nothing ever prepares you and it was the fear of the feelings versus what the feelings actually were and and thinking that the feelings were going to kill me which Mm. they never have Mm -hmm. and and the biggest lesson that I received was the deeper the grief means the deeper the love. And how amazing and incredible is it that I got to love so deeply, like so deeply. So many people never truly give themselves that opportunity or get that opportunity. And, and it just made, it made room for more love, you know? And that's, that's what I look at like heartbreak as it's, it's, um, just breaks you open wider and wider and wider and wider. Like it can't not, um, so yeah, that's like, like that's been the the journey so far, and I I now get to <sighs> nothing is black and white. Everything is quote unquote gray, <laughs> you know. Um, which is which is the beautiful thing, and which is why, to a certain degree, I'm not really worried about what's going on. It doesn't mean that I'm not taking action, and it doesn't mean that I'm not angry at times and it doesn't mean that I'm sitting on my butt being like, it's all good. Just gonna, you know, levitate in <laughs> right. this position. And like, <laughs> it's all fine and daisies and what else. Um, but you've been through so much that not, you can see that it keeps going. And not only that, I literally have had direct effective spiritual experiences where I know, like I know, and at the end of the day, getting to see doesn't even, does it even actually fucking matter? Does it matter? Because your reality might be different than mine, but it doesn't make it any less real. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make it any less real, you know? Um, and that's where I feel that so much, so much misinformation can come from in regards to if I see you at a party and I wave and you give me what I presume to be a sneer <laughs> or a look of disgust before turning away. Right. Two things can happen. I can go either go over to you, be like, hey, how are you? And based on your response, be like, okay, all is, all is well, or it's not. Let's talk about it. Or, and this is what most people do, 
Oh yeah, tuck take that away. Tuck that in there. <laughs> it's the it's the either A, oh my god, what did I do wrong? Oh my god, did I do something? Is she upset with me? Why is she upset with me? Oh my god, but I can't go over because my wait, I need to figure it out. I need to figure it out before I can take any action. Or it's What the fuck is wrong with her? Why is she giving me an attitude? Right? But both are creating a rift. Both are creating a wall. Both are creating a separation. And really, what that sneer actually was, was you trying to hold in a sneeze. Right. Yeah. Had nothing to do. Had nothing to do with me whatsoever ever but we're so afraid of asking questions and being vulnerable being courageous in that way to be like hey what's up let's commune and I do that with my friends all the time if I feel something's off you know um I want to but I just I don't I'm not I'm not brave enough to do it that's not true you are I mean, I might be. I just don't do it, though. There's many times when I've wanted to, and I don't. So your desire to stay safe and your fear of rejection mm-hmm. is, is stronger than the relationships that you have. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. It's a... Uh Something I struggle with a lot because I want those really vulnerable relationships, but can't bring myself to be vulnerable. Talk to people about about the issues. I think a lot of it's because I'm also scared of you know them being realistic about my issues, which I don't like to hear. You know, you don't like to hear the truth. Yeah, I, I, even though I know, I feel like I know myself very well, very well, and I know my you know flaws and yeah. things that might be problems in friendships or relationships. But I think hearing them is t- is terrifying. And with that too, it's taking with a grain of salt, right? Where it's if you trust the person that is that is speaking to you and they're speaking to you with love. Right. There's a there's a very big difference where it's there's this great line where it's it's not so much how the message is received, but how the message is given. Completely. So if I'm going and and wanting to quote unquote school someone that's coming from a fearful ego based place of I actually don't feel that powerful right now. So I need to put you down under the guise of, um, being helpful when really it's just a polite form of character assassination (laughs) and making someone else feel like, yeah, make somebody else feel less powerful than you so that you can, But also with that, I'll tell you what. And this specifically for me, I learned a lot in my relationships, like my romantic relationships. I was so hyper aware of never wanting to cross anybody else's boundaries. And on top of that, if, if my partner was critical... In whatever way. Like you're being an asshole or like, why didn't you do this? Or why didn't you do that? And blah, 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 blah. I wouldn't get defensive. 
I'd be like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Because I, I, conti- I, I've always genuinely wanted to fucking grow. And sometimes I don't know when I'm being an asshole and I need to be told, you know, um, because we don't always know how our behavior is going to affect other people. And, and so then I, I would change. I'd be aware and I'd be like, right. Okay. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do that again. And yet I got to see that I'm not always being an asshole. I'm actually just stating my feelings. Right. (laughs) And there's a very big difference. And, And then with that, I'm allowed to inhabit space. I'm allowed to own my space. I'm allowed to own my beingness. And so my relationships today reflect that. Mm-hmm. There's truth-telling time, but there's truth-telling time with love. So I trust what they're going to say, and I trust that I can go to them, and I trust because when I go to them, it's not... I always, I really always do think of when white women especially go to women of color. And it's the, oh my God, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I'm I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to leave. And all of a sudden, it's not about the person that you've slighted. Right. It's It's about about them comforting you. Yeah. It's about the person who's been slighted comforting you. And it's like, what the fuck? Because the intention behind it is... I feel so bad that I need you to take care of me now. Right. I need I need you to take care of me. As opposed to owning your shit, being fucking responsible, being in full responsibility for the fact that you've erred, asking for forgiveness, acknowledging what you've done, acknowledging that you were wrong, you were ignorant, you were whatever. Tag along. And with that too, getting to say like, I hear what you're saying. I see what you're saying. I was wrong. Mm-hmm. That's so fucking important. That's what builds trust. Like that's what builds trust where it's not being able to be human. Being able to be fucking human. Yeah. No more, no fucking less. (laughs) But don't you think it's hard, like, in this day and age, because everyone is so quick to, like, you know, to to judge each other? It's not, it's, it's not my business what other people do. Like, it's my business what I do. No, I agree. I mean, I just, I think I feel that pressure and just see, you know, you see it happen. Like I said, I just, uh, I don't know. what happens? Because then what happens? Then there is no trust. There is no relationship. It's just, you know, 
two people butting heads. Yeah, and and it's there's no exchange of of information. Yeah, and then you also get to see the I've had and tell me if you've had this experience. Somebody tries to buy dinner, but you insist on paying. Right? Mm. Do you have a problem receiving? Um <laughs> sometimes. Yeah. Not really. I mean I'm pretty good at just at being like, oh thanks, you know. Tag along, god damn it. So you have a pretty okay. Say that again. I'm so sorry. I think I'm pretty good at receiving. I mean I give, I tend to over to to give more, yeah. you know, but and you I can ha- take it. Okay. And you've had the experience though where you're like, no, I'll pay. Mm-hmm. So what you've done, and I I say this not in you, I'll actually keep it to me because I've done the same exact thing again and again and again and again and again. And what I say in that moment is I will not receive you. I will not receive your gift or your offering. And then I'm still in the delusion that I'm doing something good. I'm giving to you. Right. But there, there is that weird energy that always comes, especially after you fight for a bill. Because one of you then isn't being received. You know? And, and when I rob somebody of the opportunity of giving... You know, I also rob myself of the opportunity of receiving fully, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and who am I to deny somebody that experience? Like, who am I um, to say that I'm not worthy of receiving, you know, unless you're Catholic, because, you know, Lord, I'm not worthy to receive (laughs) you for fuck's sakes. Um, And, and more than that. If I'm not willing to take the risk and I continue to play small, then I'm missing out on the opportunities of the reward. Like the deep, deep opportunities. Like I, do you ask for help often? No. Mm. Terrible at that. Getting better, but. Yeah. I mean, everything I'm getting better at, but it's like very stubborn. Don't ask for help. Yeah. Yeah. I got this. Yeah. I got this. I got it. It's control freak thing, too. So it's like, well, oh, yeah, but what, con- what are you in control of? Everything. Really? I just, I think it's like part ego, part, you know, yeah, not wanting to ask anybody for help. Yeah. Because what happens when you let go? You're vulnerable. <gasps> and then what happens? Dun, dun, dun. What does that mean? You're vulnerable and then what? You can get then hurt. What happens? You can get hurt. You can get hurt. Mm-hmm. You can. So it's a possibility. Have you gotten hurt this past year? Oh, so badly. Even say, even like you asking that made my stomach just like. And is that because you were vulnerable? Yes. Yeah. Okay. 
And have you been vulnerable this past year and had the opposite experience? Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it's both. And it is interesting how, you know, I agree. Like I've been working a lot on myself and liking myself and being more emotional. I used to have um, a lot of food. I would, my outlet was food um, and emotional eating. And I've been working a lot on getting past that. And when I started getting past it and actually feeling feelings as opposed to covering them all up was like, whoa, you know, it's a lot. It's and it led me to, yeah, one of the biggest heartbreaks of my life um, and disappointments. But then also to actually like somebody for the first time than when I thought I literally like had thought I could never love anybody, basically, mm. you know. So, yeah, it's uh, definitely both ends of the spectrum. <laughs> oh, man. Man. It's, um, there's this, there's this really great book called The Fear Cure. And in it, this woman was talking about, again, back to animals. The, the theme, the theme of today is <laughs> courage, vulnerability, and animals. And this woman was talking with her daughter and her daughter was really, really sad because um, her best friend no longer wanted to be her best friend. And she was really, really hurt. And the mother said something about, you know, giving her permission to break, break your heart. Mm. And so when they got this dog... <sighs> Then they had to put the dog down. She's the little girl says to the dog, I gave you permission to break my heart and oh. you did. Oh God. <laughs> oh I know. So there is a oh, I love Brene Brown. I love Who's that? Oh my God. <laughs> Brene Brown, Dr. Brene Brown. She mm -hmm. she wrote Um Daring Greatly. Okay. And she's a vulnerability expert. She she's written some really, really great books and she talks about how so many different things, but one of them is she uh, dress rehearsal for tragedy. Hmm. Which is something that oh my god. Huge. I I do that all the time. Oh, Actually, definitely. Not anymore. Not anymore. I don't. Um, but pretty much, you know, everything we've been talking about, you know, about how being vulnerable is courageous and how most of us are not willing to be because we've made this decision that I will never be hurt again. I will never, ever, ever be hurt again. And what I found invariably is that, A, I still get hurt, but B, the hurt is muted. So even though... Um, I'm miserable. I feel safe in the comfort of that versus stepping out into the great unknown. And I'm, I'm willing to be healed. Mm -hmm. I feel like I talk about this a lot, you know, like the origin wound and most people don't heal from it because they never want to feel that pain again. And it's the fear of the pain. 
Because what happens when you cut your knee? What do you do? You dress it, you know, put a bandaid on it. What if it's a deep cut? Then what do you do? Um, well, you get stitches. Hydrogen peroxide. Oh, yeah. Clean out the wound. Yeah, it hurts. Yeah. Yeah, it fucking hurts. And I always winced right before the hydrogen peroxide went on because I, it was the, it, it was the anticipatory feeling of the pain, but the pain was never nearly as great as the anticipation of what it might be, which is all imagined, right? Right. Um, so with that, it's the. But sometimes the pain is really horrible. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? But the pain passes. Mm-hmm. That's the difference. There's a difference between pain and suffering. Suffering is optional. Right. It's when I'm, I'm too afraid to let go of the story because then who am I without it? Oh, yeah. Who am I without it? Who am I without the story? Who am I without the um, self-imposed limitations that I put on myself? Because what does that mean then? What does that mean? And that's terrifying. Yeah, it's really, it is really scary to be stripped out, stripped and you're right, questioning that of yourself. And it's weird because I tend to be vulnerable on stage or I try to be extremely vulnerable. Um, but then in person, it's or in relationships, it's harder. And do you find all relationships are just romantic? Um, Most of them, both. Like I said, even with friendships and I have a hard time actually ever saying how I feel. Yeah. Or, I mean, before I had a hard time feeling the feelings because yeah. they were muted. Yeah. And now I'm feeling them, but I still have a hard time expressing myself. I get that. I get that. But yeah, the uh, I think it's that fear of the, you know, of, yeah, not having, of just kind of being out there. Yeah. Absolutely. And here's the thing, too, right? There's a difference between just being out there like blase fair, c'est la vie, and being out there with intention. Like for me, I've gotten very fucking good at setting my boundaries. I've gotten very good at saying when you said this, this made me feel. Mm -hmm. This made me feel. It's never you did this or you did that, but this is how it made me feel. And then I'm able to say, A, is this coming from a historical place? And B, also acknowledging the fact that like, yes, my feelings were hurt. And all I want is the validation that you hear me. You hear that my feelings were hurt. And you empathize with that. And you take responsibility. And you say, I had no idea. Forgive me. Or it gets into a bigger discussion. Well, when I heard you say this, or I felt ignored, I felt whatever it is. Because at the end of the day, we're all feeling beings. And on top of that, 
everyone is worthy of love, but not everyone is worthy of mine. Mm. Everyone is worthy of time, but not everyone is worthy of mine. That is definitely something I've come to much better terms with at this point. Yeah, it's, as you get older, especially in this town, it's like, I, you know, it's limited and I'm picky about who I, I want, you know, to spend yeah. my time with. And the same goes for vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Everyone is deserving of an open, safe, vulnerable relationship, but not everyone is worthy of my vulnerability. So do you mostly pick people to be in your life now that will, obviously, I guess, will reciprocate that openness? Because that, the problem with the heartbreak that I went through this year was that they were never, I was saying to them how they were making me feel, and they were not, they would not listen. And they, not only through action, they would maybe say it through words, try to say it, but definitely not through action. Yeah. So that sucked because I tried to be extremely vulnerable with them and it just felt like it. And how long, how long had this been going on? Mm, A long time, about uh, eight months or something. Okay. Okay. I did that for almost four years. Yeah. For fuck's sakes. But with that too... Who I was at the start definitely wasn't who I was at the end, right? And I feel like I had to experience every single thing that I wasn't to to get that much clearer in terms of who I was. And I had a lot of personal baggage to sift through. Like I had to sift through my own emotional closet, as it were, you know, when in doubt, throw it out. Is this mine? <laughs> is this mine? Right. No. Why the fuck am I holding on it's to this? It's not. So, so why do I have it? You know, and that I have a right to like, I have a right to my space. I have a right to my time. I have a right to myself as a self, as a being. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel that I had that right for a very long time. And, and with that too... I went with what was familiar. I went with what was safe. Even though it... didn't... provide... a nurturing and a... a comfort and a a sense of home that I truly desired Mm -hmm. and with that too though I had to really see so clearly that experience of what not loving looked like in order to then have the experience of what really loving looks like. You know, you can't experience one without experiencing the other. You know, it's that's just how it is. Like, that really is how it is. So, she got to be one of my great teachers. And for that, I am thankful and I am grateful. I now also know that I will never, ever, ever be in any kind of relationship like that again. 
and I don't need to earn my keep. I don't need to continually prove my worth. Yes. In every way, shape, and form. And when someone shows you, again, to quote Maya Angelou, when someone shows you who they are the first time, believe them. But because I was coming from the space of not worthiness, I let a lot of shit slide. And and that they're doing enough work on themselves that just it takes time and I'm doing work on myself and ba 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 and I think I had said this um in the podcast before and I really do find it to be true that when you're so accustomed to crumbs right <laughs> I I wouldn't I wouldn't have known at the time what to do with a full meal and an invitation to the welcoming table mm. because I was so grateful for the crumbs on the floor because I did not feel worthy of the table mm-hmm. because God forbid I did that know your place. Who do you think you are? You should be grateful. You're even inside. God, how do we, how do so many people do this to themselves? It's so bizarre that the amount of people who I know, including myself, that, that don't feel worthy of certain things. I mean, who are our first gods? Parents. Yeah. And I know it's like that thing. Stop blaming your parents for (laughs) everything. But I think that there is also... You know, I can only speak from my experience. I can't, I can't speak to anybody else's. I can't. And that, that going from just being to starting to put two and two together. You know, babies pick up things and drop them. And parents think it's so fucking annoying. Just fucking stop it. But they're testing to see, is it going to make the same sound every time it drops? Mm -hmm. Then they reach for something else. How's that sound compared to that? They're learning. They're absolutely learning. And I, I love that. Here we go. We're going to end on a high note. Regards to musicals. Yes. Sondheim. Mm-hmm. Careful the things you say, children will listen. Oh, that song. Careful the things you do, children will see and learn. I mean, that's... Careful before you say, listen to me. Children will listen. And I find that to be so true. And sometimes I will look at individuals as adults... And then I'll imagine what they look like as children. And and again, I used to think quite wrongly that I had to love everybody. That that like, you know, the fucking Louise Hay and whatever and like love, blah, 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 blah. I don't. <laughs> I'm not Jesus. <laughs> 
<laughs> I just passed my Jesus here, which you're in, 33. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but, like, I don't have to love everybody, nor do I, because not everybody is worthy of my love. Um, it's such a release. It's such a fucking release, because what that says is, I make the choice who comes in. And that is sacred. Mm-hmm. And in knowing my worth, I also recognize yours. I recognize and see the divinity in you. I'm not saying that there's not divinity in everybody. But it is not my job to recognize the divinity in everybody. That's not, it's not my job. You know, and I get to focus on the small tapestry. And... I know that I err on a daily basis. And with that too though, the the willingness to grow but not be influenced by others. It's the my direct relationship with the universe, my direct relationship with you. Mhm. But this is my life. I'm breathing. You're not breathing my lungs. I am. I am living my life. I am make, I'm making the ch- choice to be in life. Choice to be in love. So what does that mean and what does that look like? You know? Like what is it to actually live to be alive? A life that fucking turns you on. <laughs> One that is fucking passionate and sensual and full and sweet and soft and beautiful you know I like everything makes me cry (laughs) like just seeing like two dogs heads out the window like the other month like I started weeping like a baby because it was so fucking beautiful um I was at the um the airport recently in the women's restroom and I almost started crying looking at all the different kinds of women just in the middle of their travel, you know what I mean? Just like all these beautiful, different, strong women coming and going and doing, I almost started, yeah, just crying looking at this. Because <laughs> it's beautiful to the point that it breaks your heart. That's vulnerable. That's love. Mm-hmm. That's love in all of its forms. It's a beautiful thing. I love, I'll tell you what, I love that I get to have I find some of the most profound discussions with comedians. Yeah, I mean, I think, well, we're really profound people. <laughs> You're the most profound. <laughs> I, you know, it's like our our pleasure and our job to poke around in everything, you know? Yeah. You're the... Um, You're the detectives of emotional truth. Exactly. And that's what it is. And laughter is that reaction to emotional truth. It's the stuff that you either never knew how to say or just relate to or didn't want to say or whatever it is, you know. Yeah, for sure. And and with that, too, if, if I didn't have the ability to laugh, I really would have killed myself a long time ago. Yeah, it's it's so hugely important. It's be, and, and there is... There's so much darkness 
in life and in the world. And it's like, if you, it's cliche, but if you can't laugh at it, then what's the fucking point? Yeah. We're all, we are all living our own lives. But we're also experiencing this ridiculous <laughs> world together. I fucking know. <laughs> like, I fucking know. And, and with that, it's the, you know, it's the, it's the fucking moments. Mm-hmm. Like, it really is the fucking moments back to Sondheim. You know, just uh, Sondheim, I think, is, is a prophet. Oh, completely. Sondheim is such a fucking prophet. Ah, <sighs> uh, okay. I wow, we're 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 running long, but this is good. I don't edit. Um so, I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. It's one that I ask all of my my guests <sighs> to close out this episode. When in your life have you been told to shut up and listen and you actually listened and learned something. I'm trying to think of if it's been a specific moment of someone telling me to shut up, um, which has happened, you know. I think that I luckily have been somebody who is willing to uh, be humble and, you know, listen a lot of the time. Um, but especially lately, I think just in general, I, I try and think of specific times somebody's told me to do it, but overall, um, ex- existing in the world right now, you were talking about this earlier with, um, w- you know, white women kind of like approaching women of color and say, in you know, needing their their comfort or their approval is something I've been extremely aware of and making sure that I try not to do. And I don't think I do. I'm I will say I think I'm I am good at kind of taking it in and not making it not publicizing and being like, look at me, look how great I'm doing, but really just listening. Mm-hmm. Completely studying and listening and trying to empathize with even you know a f- small fraction of the pain and you know the weird um i think the just deep rooted i think pain that we have inflicted white people i'm saying uh on people of color and and knowing that that's there at a a root no matter you know how old you are when you were born for them that that's just something that they were born being told you know you're less than and it's so fucked up and I've been trying to really just study that and study you know different voices and uh make sure that I'm I'm really yeah just listening yeah and not trying to put my my mark on it not trying to put my anything but just taking it in yeah not trying to hijack it yes and say that you know best and you know better um and with that too getting to acknowledge your privilege and getting to do research on your own as opposed to um please please educate me um, as opposed to taking responsibility because you actually really desire to change and really desire to know. And 
Have you seen Son of a Baldwin yet? No. Oh. Run. It's, <laughs> it's at the arc light. Like, oh, okay. Literally leave here and go. It is one of the best fucking films that I've seen in such a long time. Mm-hmm. In such a long, long time. I feel that it should be required viewing for every single white American. Every single one. What is it? It's the documentary um, about James Baldwin. Okay. And it is absolutely, absolutely incredible. Um, oh my God. What did I just say? I just said son of a fucking Baldwin. No, I need, I'm going to have to edit this. <laughs> I really am. Um, I am not your Negro. Oh, okay. Yes. I mean, I've heard, I haven't seen it yet, but go run, go run and see it. It's absolutely, absolutely incredible. One of the best films I've seen. Um, and then I'm coming to do your podcast soon. I know. Which is next so week. weird. So weird. Cause you didn't ask me. Yeah. I mean, you were on our list, so oh. I probably put you on there. I'm glad that it was on your <laughs> list. It makes me yeah, feel You're approved. You don't need our approval, but you're approved. I don't. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm grateful. I'm always grateful when I'm invited anywhere, but my feelings are never hurt when I'm not because I never expect to be invited anywhere. Yeah, but it's, so always, then it's like always a surprise. A little gift. Yeah, yeah. Well, but it'll be a lot of fun, you know, hang out. Um, all right. Well, I adore you, Miss Gray. Um, thank you so much for stopping by. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. All right. All right. Bye.